Hi, this is Pastor Duncan again with another installment of Words of Hope. The hope of the leadership in sending these podcasts out is to keep North Shore Church connected during this time of separation and hopefully to provide you with what we hope again is encouraging truth. Today, let's spend some time thinking about one of the very first casualties in times of deprivation. That is a spirit of gratitude or thankfulness. And that's really sad because gratitude is one of the most helpful and most overlooked weapons in our spiritual arsenal. Being thankful is so important that the two words give thanks appear about 70 times in Scripture. When, by God's grace, I'm walking closely with Him, one of the major markers of that in my life is a heart that's absolutely bursting with thankfulness. When you're walking closely with God, you see Him and His goodness everywhere. You're constantly thanking God for something. Conversely, one of the very first things to disappear when we're drifting from a close walk with God is a thankful heart. We become more indifferent to his blessings and more likely to complain when things don't go our way. Being thankful is so important, but in times of trial, our sinful flesh and the adversary conspire to cause us to focus our attention on all our problems and then whine and complain about them. So today, let's do battle against that. We want to come against that by spending just some time thinking about some of the many, many things for which we can be thankful, not in spite of COVID-19, but because of the coronavirus. Times of deprivation invariably produce many good things, but they're easily drowned out by the hard things. So let's focus on some of the good things for the believer in the hopes of stoking the fires of gratitude in our hearts. Tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll look at about some of the positive things that happen within God's common grace that everybody can appreciate. So the first thing for believers to be grateful about is that in times of deprivation and uncertainty, God can be uniquely glorified. Times of deprivation and weakness, especially physical weakness, remind us how much we need God and that glorifies him. We know Paul's testimony about his thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Three times he pleads to God to remove whatever it was this terrible thing was. And in response, Paul recounts this, but he, Christ, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in times of our weakness that God has a unique opportunity to show his strength and be glorified. When Paul, whose life was so radically centered around God, discovered that his weakness actually was an opportunity for God to be glorified, that completely changed the way he looked at things like weakness and deprivation. When he discovered that God was honored in his weaknesses, he didn't complain about them anymore. He boasted in them. That's a model for how a God-centered person responds. When we see how small we are, that helps us see how big God is. Our extremity is God's opportunity. If we, like Paul, are living first and foremost for the glory of God, we'll see that Times of deprivation and suffering are ultimately good because they provide an opportunity for God to be made much of in our weakness. 
Second, and related to that, is in times of temporal or temporary deprivation, we much more easily learn to live with an eternal perspective. We're repeatedly reminded in scriptures that this world is not our home. We are aliens and strangers and sojourners and pilgrims, that our home, our citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. We're temporarily sent here on a temporary missions assignment. We all know that in our heads. But we live in a wealthy culture, and in a wealthy culture with all of its creature comforts, our sinful and selfish flesh easily make ourselves at home here. This always brings a lot of trouble to our souls, and for many believers, that may indeed be the single greatest threat to being faithful to God. Times of deprivation, when some of those creature comforts are removed, make it a whole lot easier for us to look to heaven as our true home. When we do that, our values change, our priorities, our decisions, our attitudes, and our behaviors change because we're living like people who have their homes in heaven and not here. Third, as we've alluded to in earlier podcasts, times of deprivation are uniquely powerful in exposing our sin and thus our desperate need for a Savior. We tend to be creatures of routine. We don't like surprises or interruptions because they can throw us into confusion and force us to try to depend upon God. We crave regularity and consistency. We quickly and easily become dependent on those things for our happiness. And in our easily self-deceived hearts, we can begin to think that our contentment is grounded in our walk with God when it's really grounded in the fact that our predictable lives are very comfortable. But break up those routines with things like job interruptions, greatly increased family togetherness times, deprivations of things we've learned to count on. For many of us, we soon discover that our relatively even-keeled temperament is replaced by irritation, impatience, frustration, shortness with people, and a marked increase in complaining, whining, and whatever else you do to express your displeasure. When something or someone is taken from us and we become inordinately troubled by that, that is a gift of God's grace because that's God's way of revealing that something has become way too important to us, and God calls that an idol. An idol is anything we put in the place of God that we're looking to to give us what only God can give us, either one of those. And when one of those idols is removed, we get angry, frustrated, irritated, and filled with darker feelings. The reason is because one of our gods has been removed, something we were leaning on for our happiness. Frankly, most of us don't realize when something or someone has become an idol in our hearts until it is removed or threatened in some way. And then we lose it, become angry, get depressed, whatever. Though the discovery of our sins and idols is very unpleasant, it is absolutely critical if we're to love God as we should. Because that's true, and even more importantly, because God is a jealous God, out of his jealous love for us, he will regularly threaten our idols in the hope that we see them for what they are and repent of them by either eliminating them or putting them in their rightful place. 
Times of deprivation are especially clarifying in helping us to see, and by God's grace, get rid of our idols. A fourth blessing to be thankful for in times of deprivation is the fact that deprivation helps us to be renewed in our gratitude for people and things we've taken for granted. I think we've all experienced the truth of absence makes the heart grow fonder. The truth is, our hearts easily take for granted the many wonderful blessings God has given us. Tragically, it's often only when they're removed from us that we gain a renewed sense of gratitude for them. Our thanksgiving may be renewed for people we miss now because we're socially distancing ourselves. We didn't realize how special they were to us until we could no longer be with them. It may be the job and the sense of fulfillment that went along with it now that we're unemployed that we appreciate so much more now. It may be something fairly mundane. We gain a new appreciation for the brand of breakfast cereal that we've enjoyed for years but now seems to be always out of stock at the grocery store. Things like that. Deprivation reminds us to show appropriate levels of appreciation for those people and things that, as we've recently been reminded, can be taken away from us in a moment. A fifth blessing to be thankful for in times of deprivation is the opportunity it provides the church to shine like the sun as we show the world what Jesus is like. In times of deprivation, people have increased needs, and the church can show the love of Jesus in helping to meet those needs, especially for those outside the church. Church history tells us that when the plagues spread throughout the Roman Empire, the pagans literally headed for the hills. They ran for the mountains in an attempt to prevent being infected. Many cities were mostly abandoned except for the sick people and the Christians. Followers of Christ, as a general rule, didn't flee the city. They showed the love of Jesus, and they cared for the sick and dying, and in so doing, many of them died as well. That kind of love had a revolutionary impact on the Roman Empire. It's one of the reasons why the church, in only a few centuries, became the dominant force in that part of the world. The church faces that unique opportunity again today in some parts of the world, and maybe later here. Let's close with a sixth and again, a related blessing that can come from times of deprivation, and that is the increased potential for spiritual awakening among lost people. I was reminded of this the other day in a text from a dear sister. As the church shows the love of Christ to a lost world, there is opportunity for them to be more open to the gospel. As deprivation awakens lost people to their own weaknesses and sins, that provides the potential for more openness to the gospel and for believers to show the mercy of Christ to lost people who are much more likely to sit up and take notice. If you've been struggling to stay thankful, there are just a few things there we've talked about. Think about more. And may God give all of us the grace to live with thankful hearts as we walk closely with him during this crisis for his glory and for our joy. Amen.